So my oldest son loves to play hide-and-seek now. But there's still a lot that he clearly needs to learn about the game. For example, when it's his turn to hide, and I am supposed to find him, as soon as I finish counting and say, ready or not, here I come, he bolts out of his hiding spot, and he runs to me just laughing. So I've tried to explain to him, you need to stay where you are, and I will come and find you. I don't think I have once had the chance to actually look for him. So usually I'm the one who hides, and he comes to find me. And there's probably four hiding spots in every room that I would go to, and I just rotate between those spots. But I've noticed that sometimes he'll come into the room, and if he doesn't find me within about five seconds, he turns around and runs out to Casey. And I can hear him yell, Mom! Can't find Dad. Where is he? So because of that, this is usually how our games of hide-and-seek go. Judah will say, Dad! Let's play hide-and-seek. Go hide in my room behind the door. <laughs> or he'll say, Dad, let's play hide-and-seek. Go hide in Simon's room in the closet. So on. You get the point. But you know what? He's so excited when he runs and finds me exactly where he expected me to be. So I guess it's less of hide-and-seek, and it's more of come and find me where I said I'd be. But you know, I've found that a lot of people in this life treat salvation kind of like a game of hide-and-seek. Uh, they, they seem to think that entering into heaven is some sort of secret. It's something that's hidden that they have to search for. and They treat it kind of like a game in their lives. And so for some of them, they'll choose to pour into their good works or, or they'll look for whatever they can, crossing their fingers, hoping that at the end of their life, they will just stumble onto the answer, that they will find themselves suddenly in heaven when everything comes to an end. But the truth is Jesus hasn't made it difficult to find him or to find and receive the salvation, the forgiveness, the eternal life that he offers. Well, it's like standing there and Jesus saying, here I am, come to me. Now, he said exactly how it is that we must be saved. Some people just haven't heard the quite understood the truth Jesus was communicating. In fact, sometimes Jesus' own disciples struggled to understand the truths he was communicating when he was here on this earth with them. On Friday, we saw how Jesus was condemned by Pilate, the religious leaders, and the crowds. He's unjustly put to death. Jesus was whipped, beaten, mocked, and killed when they hung dark day. But it was a day that Jesus had long told his disciples about. I mean, on multiple earlier occasions, Jesus had told them that he was going to be handed over. He was going to be crucified and that he was going to rise from the dead three days later. He had told his disciples that. In fact, shortly before all those things took place, Jesus once again told them about his death. And he said this in Mark chapter 14, verse 28. He said, but after I have risen, risen from the dead, but after I have risen, I'll go ahead of you into Galilee. There was no hiding. Jesus was making it very clear to his disciples. He said, this is what's going to happen. I will be crucified. Then I'll be buried. Then I'm going to rise from the dead three days later. And you know what? After that, I'm going to meet you in Galilee. But Scripture makes it clear that the, the disciples, they still struggled to grasp 
all of these things Jesus was telling them. And after Jesus died, he was buried by Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, and some women followers of Jesus watched. They saw the place where he was buried. So we're going to pick up this morning in Luke chapter 24, verse 1. I encourage you to turn there in your Bibles if you have a Bible with you. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can use one of those Bibles under the seats in front of you. If you'd like to use one of those, you can turn to page 858. Page 858, Luke chapter 24. Because we're going to see this morning how some of Jesus' followers responded, what they did when that first Easter Sunday came around. Luke chapter 24 beginning in verse 1, we find this. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. Why do you look for the living among the dead? That's a good question. See, Jesus had been buried in haste because of the approaching Sabbath. The Sabbath had passed now, so some of his women followers were prepared to go early to the tomb to honor the Lord with these spices. Some people tried to claim, well, the women, they just went to the wrong tomb. But if that was the case, they would easily and quickly have been corrected by Joseph of Arimathea, by Nicodemus, by the other disciples, certainly by the religious leaders. But they knew where they were going. They had watched. They had taken note of the place where Jesus was buried. This, the tomb, this is where they were sure that they would find him. Instead, they found that the stone that covered the entrance had been moved out of the way. The tomb itself was empty. It says that they were, they were wondering about this. They were confused. Where could the body be? Were they missing something? Was it moved? They were sincerely looking for the Lord, but they weren't going to find him in the tomb that morning. Now, praise the Lord that when we sincerely seek after him, he will bring us some spiritual truth to light. We find that suddenly two men appeared in gleaming clothes. More specifically, these were two angels sent from God, sent in the appearance of men. And listen to what they said. They asked the women, why do you look for the living among the dead? In other words, why are you looking for Jesus here? Now, the true answer would be because this is where they expected Jesus to be, right? This place made the most sense to them. They had seen Jesus die, and then he was buried in this. That was the thing that they had missed. The dead bodies stay in tombs. This tomb had a stone rolled across the front. There were guards posted at the entrance. This was one of the most secure burial sites that you could have. So to them, this was the obvious place to find Jesus. The problem is. So again, the question is, Why were they looking for Jesus there? Again, I think it's a fair question. I think we can ask a similar question today. Because today, there are those who are looking for Jesus or 
or at least looking for the salvation that he offers, but they're looking in the wrong places. Uh, so there are some who think, well, okay, if my sin, all the bad things I do, separate me from God, well, then all the good things I do must get me to God. You know, they spend their whole lives trying to do good works, enough good works, whatever that means, to get to heaven. God takes place in churches. Well, then maybe if they attend church, God'll get them into heaven. Or others reason to themselves, you know, God is generous, so maybe if I'm generous with my time and my money, then I can I can buy my way into heaven. And still there are some who look at the love of God and they assume that, well, love is Jesus. If there's anyone here this morning who is looking for salvation in these places, I have to ask, why are you looking there? I mean, who, who told you that that's where salvation is? These places might make sense to some of us, that perhaps salvation would be found there. The problem is Jesus never said salvation would be found in any of these things. I've met many people who are convinced, they're certain that their good works are going to get them to heaven. But when I ask them why they're convinced about that, who told them that, where they get that confidence, they, they don't have an answer. And they're okay with that. They're still convinced their good works will be enough. That's where they search for salvation because it just makes sense to them. But look, our, our, our good works, our own efforts, will never bring us into Jesus' presence in heaven. It'll never be enough. That's not where Jesus said salvation would be found. Just like the grave is not where Jesus told his disciples he would be found on that third day. Now, thankfully, Jesus has made it very clear in his word how we can receive salvation. That's one of the things I love. I tell people that all the time. I love that God didn't make salvation a mystery. It's not hidden from us. He makes it quite clear in his word. And Jesus made it clear how we could receive salvation, just like he was going to make it clear to his followers on that first Easter what was going on. They just needed to listen to what he had said. And we need to do that too. We need to listen to what Jesus has said in his word. So God gave them a reminder through these messengers, and the messenger said this in verse 6. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Look, what they were witnessing here was no trick, no attempt on Jesus' part to hide from his fathers. This was the fulfillment of his word. He had told them many times he was going to rise from the dead on the third day, but instead of anticipating this with great joy, well, his followers, they were filled with grief. And part of the problem is that they just didn't understand it was necessary for Jesus to die on the cross, to take the penalty, the punishment, the payment for our sins so that we could be forgiven. Just as it was necessary for him to rise from the dead, to defeat death. He's our guarantee of the eternal life we receive when we go to him in faith. Now, I didn't understand these things, but they had also forgotten what Jesus had said to them in the first place. That he was going to rise on the third day. So because they had forgotten, they were looking in all the wrong places for Jesus. Jesus is alive, just as he said he would be. And again, there are many people 
in this life who are looking for salvation in all the wrong places. Friend, please understand, Jesus isn't making salvation a mystery. The Bible clearly says this in Romans chapter 10. It says that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. In fact, the Bible says a lot more than that. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that our good works cannot save us. Jesus said in John chapter 14 that he is the only way to the Father. Romans 10.13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But so many people are looking in the wrong places for salvation. They think that they can make their own way into heaven. That they can make their way to the Lord. But the truth is Jesus is the only way. Just like he said. And he is waiting. He's waiting for us to come to him in prayer by faith. To repent of our sin and believe in him. When we do, that's when we'll find that salvation that we are looking for. Just like Jesus said. On that first Easter Sunday, his followers, we're going to find him alive. Just like Jesus said. Because Jesus is always going to be true to his word, friends. Now, Matthew's gospel adds some details that I wanted us to see about what these women were told and what they experienced on that day. So if you'd like to follow along, you can go ahead and turn over to Matthew chapter 28. We're just going to read a few verses from there. Matthew 28, we're going to begin in verse 5. We're told this. It says, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Now remember, Jesus said before his death that he would rise from the dead and meet his disciples where? In Galilee. He made all this clear before, but you know what? In God's grace and patience and love, he was making it clear to them again. You see, Jesus isn't hard to find, friends. He's made it as clear as can be, yet many people are searching in all the wrong places. And you want to know what the great news is? That in his love, and grace and patience he is still waiting for people to come to him in faith for salvation and eternal life. He's not far from those who are sincerely seeking him. And these women followers of Jesus, they weren't in the right location right here. But as they took off to tell the disciples, look what Matthew tells us in verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples, and suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. These followers were blessed to see the risen Savior. Now that they knew the truth, they needed to go and share that with others. So the question is, where do we go from here on this Easter Sunday morning? Like if you're here and you are relying on your good works, 
or church attendance or your godly family members or your own merit to gain salvation. If that's what you're relying on, why are you looking for salvation in all those places? I'll be honest with you. Many people have tried to earn their salvation, but all of them have come up short. If Jesus is not your Savior, please understand that salvation, forgiveness of your sin, eternal life, these things aren't achieved by the things that we do. The Bible's made it clear that no amount of good works can make us clean in His sight. Our sin must be punished. The just punishment is an eternity separated from God in hell. We can't make up for that. So praise the Lord that He came and took the punishment for us on the cross. That's what Jesus was doing. He powerfully rose from the dead, proving that he's no mere man. He's the Son of God, and he's the Savior. Look, we don't follow a dead Savior. We follow a living Savior. And Jesus stands in heaven right now, waiting to give you the forgiveness of all your sins. I don't know what you've done. Of all your sins. He wants to bring you into a relationship with him that will never end. He wants to save you from the penalty of hell. He wants to give you eternal life that guarantee that you will be with him forever after this life. And the baptisms we saw this morning were a great reminder of some of these things. A baptism, baptism symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In baptism, a believer identifies with their Savior. And in baptism, they are declaring that they have died to their old way of life, and they have been made new in Jesus Christ. They're a new creation. They've got a brand new life, and those things are true because the day came when those believers went to Jesus Christ and gave their life to him in faith. And for those of us who have done that, the question is, where do we go from here? Now, the women on that day were told to go and share the good news, and that's what we need to do. Because church, this world is full of people who are looking for salvation in all the wrong places. And we need to point them to Jesus Christ. Surely, God has brought someone to your mind and your heart recently, believer, who you know needs to hear the truth of what Jesus did. Who needs to hear about the salvation that he's just waiting to give to them. If only they would come to him in faith. My prayer is that all of us, as followers of Jesus Christ, would eagerly race to share the good news of salvation with others. And if you're here and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, where you go from here is up to you. Because you can choose to reject Jesus, the offer of salvation. But if you do, please understand that you will face that penalty after this life of being separated forever from God in a place called hell. In Acts chapter 4, that salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to man. So why would you look anywhere else? Friends, stop searching in all of the wrong places for salvation. Because it's only found in Jesus Christ. And if you've never received that salvation, we want to give you the opportunity to do that today. We want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Would you pray with me? If you're here and Jesus Christ isn't your Savior, but you're ready to change that, or maybe you have questions, maybe you want to song, you can come up to the front and talk to myself. I'll ask Pastor Brandon to be up here with me.
You can find one of our deacons, Michael Giorgini, in the back. We'd love to pray with you and talk to you. But maybe you're here today and you're ready right now to give your life to Jesus. You're tired of looking in all the wrong places. You don't need to ask any more questions. You're ready to make that decision. And if that's true for you, then, friend, you can follow me in a simple prayer like this one. You say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've broken your commands. But I know you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you didn't stay in the grave, but that you rose from the dead. And Jesus, today I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins. Savior, I'm ready to have that relationship with you that you've promised me. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there's anyone who made that decision or who wants to make that decision, I pray that they would talk to somebody about that today. Because the truth is, you've made salvation and forgiveness available to everyone who will come to Jesus Christ in faith. You've made it available to this whole world, but so many people are looking in the wrong places. And Father, I pray that those of us who have given our lives to Jesus, we would go out and tell others the good news of salvation. Because many of us have family members, friends, neighbors who don't know you. And we need to be excited about telling them all about what Jesus did for them. I pray that in our great love for you, that's how we would respond. So Father, as we go to this time of invitation, I pray that you would help all of us to respond as Christians by praying for those opportunities to share the gospel. I pray that you'd be with anyone who's still on the fence, who's still trying to think about this. Brandon. Father, we love you. That you proved 2,000 years ago when you sent your son that you love us more. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.